Well, it's that time of year again where you can make your Christmas restless. We've got you covered for Christmas with reformed Christmas cards featuring your favorite reformers, scented candles, ornaments for your tree, Soli Deo Gloria beanies, and you can wrap it all in gift wrap featuring your favorite reformers in Christmas hats. You've been asking for it. Well, technically, no one asked for it. But now you can have it. We've got it. And you can't tell me that you don't want to go check this out. Visit therestlesspodcast.com and click A Very Restless Christmas in the store tab to find all of the Christmas merch. This merch will only be available for a limited time, so go and order today. Welcome back to Winsome Winter. Pastor Michael, we are here. We are in full nuance mode. It's Winsome Winter here on the Restless Podcast, a post-mortem on the young, restless, and reformed. And we know wintertime, when it comes, is a time where, where we need to warm the heart. And here on Restless, we warm the heart with a show, series, I don't know what we call it, of Winsome Winter, where I don't know how much we change about what we do on the show, but we call it Winsome. It's, and that's what it, this, is, this is a season in the Restless calendar, which by the way, we should actually make a Restless calendar. I don't know why I haven't thought of this until this very moment. But we actually need to, because we make something out of every Friday. <laughs> so, right. so I need to probably mark that down right now and work on that pretty soon. Yeah. So we um, we will be doing a number of interviews. We hope we will get some interesting interviews. We will cover uh, we will cover some some spicy topics in our in our trademark winsome way this winter. But today we're getting to do something. Some of the conversations we honestly enjoy the most. I mean, I, I, I'm maybe I'm speaking for myself, but what about you, Pastor Michael? Are these some of the some of your favorite conversations we do? I definitely enjoy. It. I mean, it's been incredibly beneficial for me, and so, so, we, so I mean, I yeah. I've really really appreciated them. So we are going to continue talking through the virtues in Second Peter, and so again, we will have links where we have spoken about how the Christian life works and, and the Apostle Peter's plan for the Christian life and what he, how he envisioned um, the Christian life supplementing faith with virtues. And, and again, the thing we always say is that these virtues are, are not things that would have been unheard of to a Gentile or pagan audience. Um, but obviously there is discontinuity with the, the pagan world. But there's a lot of continuity, and obviously the great difference between moral formation for the Christian and moral formation in the ancient world is that ours comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. It is based on the living faith we have and hope in God. And so, Pastor Michael, today we will be covering the gift, um, the virtue of endurance. Did we have a snappy title for this one? Did we have a steadfast? Did we have something for steadfastness? 
So this week, we are to steadfastness, and we're going to talk about steadfastness, not surrender. Steadfastness, not surrender. So, um, you know, if you are not currently driving in your car and you are able to do this, uh, if you go to Second Peter chapter 1, let me back up and read for us beginning in verse 3. It says this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Not that through them you may become partakers, uh, so that, rather, through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness. So that's where we are in 2 Peter 1, to steadfastness. That's right. So this term, as we always do, this term is... We are going to say this term has a primarily Greek and Roman background. However, this word is used a ton, unlike some of these words, like we found like the word virtue. Um, and actually the next word we will do after this, which is uh, translated in the ESV as godliness, but we will come to that in the next episode. This word is actually used a ton in the New Testament and in actually Jewish literature. So this word steadfastness, and you'll see it again, this is one of the hard things. It gets translated into a number of English words to try and uh, translate a number of nuances that we find in the text, right? So so this word definitely has to pick nuance in yay, nay, or nuance. You'll see it translated with patience, uh, endurance, or steadfastness as it, as it does here. So the word um, which most we can say what word is maybe the most neutral way to translate it is endurance, right? Because that kind of has the idea of kind of some kind of long suffering, right? Patience, the need to be steadfast. So this word is the word uh, hupomene, and it is the capacity to bear up during a trial or toil in, in, in some kind of suffering, right? So it originally was used in the Greek world for those who showed endurance in long battles, right? These were the, the mighty men who could fight for a very long time. Now, what's fascinating is the Christian and Jewish writings, the New Testament and the you know Jewish writings from that time, like Philo and Josephus, they have this as something they regard very highly in Christians or Jews. But they, and specifically the New Testament, uses it to describe those who have endurance spiritually rather than athletically or combatively. It's the virtue of those who can stand firm or be steadfast, even under persecution, even under the threat of death. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, there might be, you know, another way you could put it to put it really short is this is um, steadfastness is the courage that will fully defy evil no matter the cost right so mm -hmm. 
I'm going to uh, I'm going to share a few ca- like a few a few things that are viewed as like kind of combined in this one word, which is why it has so much nuance. But Pastor Michael, what do you think about the background and definition of this word, and and how how helpful might this be for us today in general? Yeah, I think it's really helpful um, when you think about the context that Peter is likely writing to. Um, it is a context of those who are facing pretty significant uh, trials, pretty significant persecution at times, and uh, not necessarily like, you know, they're all being killed or something like that, but they are clearly being oppressed in some way. They're being spoken against. And so when we are thinking about how best to apply this and thinking about how we, as uh, Christians in the West, uh, are living through a time where um, Christianity is becoming increasingly um, despised as Christianity. And speaking of, you know, true um, God-fearing, Bible-believing Christianity, it's, it is quickly becoming and has become um, something that is viewed negatively by the culture. I'd, you know, refer to Aaron Wren's, you know, positive, neutral, negative way of, you know, thinking about the the cultural view of Christianity and how we are really in this negative world now. And so thinking through that lens, understanding that we will likely face more persecution than some that have gone before us in, in the previous few generations, this is going to be something that we want to be prepared for. And so this is a great place to start thinking about what that would look like. Yep. I, man, I think that is such a good point. I'm not going to say if whether or not, uh, how, how representative steadfastness or endurance in the new Testament sense exists among, among us now. Hmm but it's likely going to need to exist yeah. here in a hurry. And I'll just say as a person who perhaps uh, our, uh, our listeners can identify with as a guy who I like to start a lot of things. I'm all about starting things and or cleaning my room or, you know, doing lots of things, but I'm, I'm, I'm often not the best at a see it through kind of mentality. And that mm-hmm. tells me that there is, probably endurance needed for me and i think i think with in endurance training i think we're all going to get that opportunity yeah so so here is a few things that are our view that are like in view when we when we talk about this kind of endurance so the first thing that uh the reason christians um and then in the first century people of god held this in in such comp like as such a price thing is that there were two things it showed they believed this trait demonstrated mature faith because it shows deep confidence in the divine will and submission to whatever god brings to you yeah so this um one of the verses that came to my mind and that i was looking up in preparing for this is uh, from James chapter one. You know it, by the way. You almost definitely know know the verse. 
Um, and uh, the same word is used here in James 1, verse 2, starting in verse 2. Um, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Then verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Uh, it produces, it's the, it's the same Greek word. And steadfastness, he says, uh, and, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so yeah. um, not to go into a full discussion of James, but obviously James is also speaking in a context of, you know, those who are going through significant trial and persecutions of different kinds where they are being tested as he talks about the testing of your faith. And he says, this is actually, um, when you go through these things, this is what produces steadfastness. And so when we're talking about, you know, thinking of this and, and wanting to be prepared for what is to come, um, I think it's also good to remember this element that James brings in, that um, the way that these particular muscles grow is through trial. It's through uh, those things which are extremely difficult, right? It's through difficult circumstances of various kinds. And I think that one of the things that often happens in our lives is that we go through various trials and it's easy to condemn God for letting us go through those things. It's easy for us to blame God or to, you know, cry out to God with, with a, a lack of faith. You know, it's, it's possible to cry out to God and not understand what's going on and it not be a lack of faith. But it's very easy for us to fall into the sin of having little to no faith in God when our circumstances are quite difficult. But one of the things to remember when you are going through some kind of trial, maybe you are right now, right? Maybe you are facing that right now in some way or another. As I say, facing trial, think, you know, what comes to mind, you know, it's very likely that you are facing something in your life that would fit that definition of various trials. and. One of the things to remember in the midst of that is that God is preparing you, right? He's preparing you to be able to handle likely more of, of this sort of thing. Um, not that trials will go on forever, not that God does not, you know, um, give us uh, reprieve even in this life at times, but um, it is true that when you want to grow in your ability to for instance, lift heavy objects, um, you have to work at it and it's difficult and it's painful, but that produces the ability to lift more, to bear more. And so when we are talking about steadfastness, it's often um, through these trials that God is actually building us into the kinds of people that can be steadfast when we most need to. That's right. I think so this this brings up so what we are going to do and, and pastor michael's already started because wh while we often say these words are were widely known and so we you know we look at other sources these words are just so this word and this idea is so used in the new testament we're just going to be staying in the new testament um for these verses because there's so much to just see here that i think it would actually be a little foolish to go outside of it but I think Pastor Michael has pointed out something I just want to highlight as a theme and perhaps we can unpack it as we go, right? This is, 
this is grown, this endurance of, is grown in suffering and temptation, right? This is, it's, it's just, this is just such an, for me, it's such an interesting thing to think about that this is grown in suffering and temptation. When I suffer, when I'm tempted, when I'm tempted repeatedly, when I feel like I can't escape a certain temptation, the resistance to that is training in steadfastness, is training in perseverance. Um, and so I think one thing we see is, let me, uh, I'm just going to jump to one verse because uh, I think it relates to what, how uh, it gives us a another voice uh, saying that suffering, this case it uses the word suffering, produces this endurance. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy spirit who has been given to us. Romans five, three through five. So we live in a time when we, when we suffer the old, and I, again, I, I speak as a person, this is true. We just, our goal is to escape the suffering. What do I have to do to get out of this suffering? Yeah. And I was talking to a young man uh, the other day and we were talking and we were talking about how um, parents and older people we know that it's really striking that at some point in your life, if you're a, if, if you're an average human, just so it's clear to you, eventually you are just eventually you are going to have pain that just will literally never go away. Hmm. You will just suffer with some kind of pain. Some people it's pretty intense and some people it's less, but you will have pain that you just, that doesn't go away. And how for many of us who are young, how like unimaginable, how, how, how unacceptable that idea sounds right now i was talking mm. to a guy in his like early 20s right and i mean i right i'm not old i'm i'm young too but um i at least the, right if if i have wisdom on him it's i have parents old enough and and have seen grandparents old enough to know that that is like a reality mm. right that i've thought about but that like you know when i work out or whatever i'm like dang you know in like 10 years that's all downhill. Like whatever I, you know, whatever little accomplishment I have in any of these areas in about 10 years, no matter what I do, it's like, well, we're going to start sliding downhill and eventually <laughs> I'm just going to suffer in ways that just will never go away as long as I'm in this mm. life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great reminder. We live definitely in an affluent time. And so we, we hide as best we can from pain and suffering and and it becomes something that you can't even really talk about, right? This is something that many people notice uh, in uh, the difference between coming to, say, like a reformed worship service, especially if you are, you know, incorporating psalms and those sorts of things versus uh, typical contemporary evangelical service. And this isn't true of every church again, but just generally speaking, what you find in contemporary evangelicalism is excitement, joy, 
right? Like the, it, everything's good and happy. The kinds of songs that we sing are all, we're like, it's getting better. Everything's going to go well. And um, what we find in scripture is actually much more broad. You definitely have some of that, right? I mean, Christ rose from the dead on the third day. He also died. And uh, that, like that element, the suffering of Christ and what he went through becomes a paradigm for us as well, not just the resurrection. Now, I do think, by the way, that some Reformed people do um, get a little over their skis in uh, maybe focusing on that suffering element more uh, than maybe they need to. But uh, it's it's definitely true that what we find in real life is pain and suffering, right? We live in a fallen world. And so um, we we shouldn't we shouldn't think that the way you get away from that is by hiding, by constructing some kind of virtual reality where it's like everything's happy, right? This is K-Love. This is every Christian radio station you've ever heard. It's, hey, everything's happy. You know, you're just like, a, you know, a sweet suburban Christian mom and you just have happy things hanging on your walls and and that's good. And that's it, right? That's where it stops. And that's not good, <laughs> you know, to right. stop there. Um, is is not good at all to just say, well, it's just, it's all, it's all hopeful. You know, it's positive. It's encouraging. It's all like that. Actually, it's extremely painful. Life is extremely painful and will be extremely painful for you. You will slightly, but the, the hope in that is that you can still count it all joy. The hope in that is that that, that steadfastness actually produces character, which produces hope. And so there is hope. It's not that the hope is not a part of this. We're not just trying to be doom and gloomers, but to actually get to true hope, you first do have to go through the grave in that sense. That's right. The tr The kind of steadfastness that that faith produces has joy in temptation and suffering. Right. That's the difference. Right. Yeah. That's the difference. Is you still it it is it it and we've all seen, we've seen as people age and they begin to experience pain that doesn't go away. We've seen people who seem to love life. Right. There are old people that seem to love life, and there are people that don't that are just mm -hmm. unhappy. And and now I don't even mean like let me be clear. I'm not saying like if you had a a a grandparent who was like particularly like irascible and like a little bit of a crank like i'm not saying they don't have joy like i'm saying you know like i'm not talking about a person's affect right i'm talking about a person's true internal state um yeah so one thing i found interesting is one of the one of the first places in the new testament we see this word though for steadfastness actually comes in jesus's parable of the sower as it's told in luke and so here is here's the verse where it's found so we hope if you don't know the parable of the sower go ahead and just turn this podcast off and go read luke 8 and that will be a better use of your time if you do know if you do know the parable just listen to this verse from it but the seeds on good soil are those with a noble and good heart who hear the word cling to it and by persevering produce a crop so the kind of fruit that Jesus says the word of God will bear only comes in the good soil as it perseveres in his mm. word.
yeah, think about the the image. I almost always think about the image uh, from Psalm 1 of the righteous man. What is the righteous man? Well, he is like a tree planted by streams of water whose leaf does not wither. Uh, and so there's this, this image of this, uh, this continual growth, even in the midst of what would otherwise be extremely difficult circumstances. Uh, there's, there's a continual, a continual staying and growing. And so I see that connection there with that parable too. So steadfastness in the faith, that's ultimately what we are speaking of. Um, it is, it is the persevering in faith. It all starts with faith. Remember that, by the way, this, these are all things that we are supplementing our faith with, that we are, you know, adding to our faith, according to Peter. So this verse I want to look at is also from Luke. You notice, as you do when you study virtually any kind of word used in the Bible, certain authors like to use kinds of words more often. And Luke uses this Greek term. So this is in the context of Luke's version of the Olivet Discourse, whatever that may refer to. So we can have a discussion of preterism another day. But right, so he said, you know, you will, you know, you, you will hear um, nations about nations rising against nations, wars and rumors of wars, and all, you know, all of these things that are going to come upon them. And so he says, but um, by your patient endurance, you will gain your soul. So I think mm -hmm. we probably should look at the few verses before and after, just because I think it's very interesting when we we think about what he's what he's telling his disciples he's telling them something quite difficult he says let me start in um uh yeah let me start in 16 because i think again why is it so striking that he says you need to be patient in endurance because of what he just said that will happen so he says for i will and this is a you'll you'll remember this right for i will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries adversaries will be able to resist or contradict now, here's what's striking. This is what he's about to say, patiently enduring. You'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. And this is the fascinating statement. But not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win your life. So again, Jesus is describing some kind of incredibly extreme persecution. Yeah. But he doesn't, again, this is another thing that is different about Christian, the Christian perseverance we're talking about. Jesus doesn't just say, keep duking it out, right? Like a, like a hero in a pagan myth, right? Fight, yeah. Like this isn't 300. So fight to the end, right? Like if they say we are going to rain down 4,000 arrows on you you don't you don't get to just boldly say then we'll fight in the shade right that's not what he's talking about why why should they endure this way because not a hair on your head will perish even though he's already said some of you are going to be put to death you mm -hmm. some of you will be put to death your families but, will try and destroy you yeah. but not a hair on your head will perish so stand mm -hmm. firm so you may win your life Yeah. This, so in this in is ultimate terms, 
Yes. Yeah. In in the ultimate terms, you will not perish. In the ultimate way, you will save your soul uh, by not rejecting Christ in that moment when everything around you, literally everyone around you, all those people that are closest to you are telling you to curse God and die. Uh, but rather you you remaining steadfast is what will actually lead to salvation, even if it seems other than that, right? Even if it seems like the entire, the the mob is after you, right? The mob is after you and it would be easiest to capitulate, but instead you remain steadfast. There's a powerful image. And ultimately, oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just, I was going to move us to the next verse, but I want you to finish this because it's fascinated you used the term curse God and die because we're going to return to James because he uses a specific character from the Bible as his example of the steadfast man. Mm. And it is, in fact, Job, the man who was yes. told to just curse God and die. So we'll go there. Go back to your point, though. We'll get there in a second. Yeah, well, let's cover this first, because I want to jump to another verse that actually speaks of Christ. But let's start with Job, because I brought it up. And I honestly, that just flew out of me. I wasn't even uh, remembering yeah. this particular verse um, at oh. the time. So. so James, just like Luke, is an author who likes to use this term um, a number of times. And so so he says, um, he he right, this is towards the, this is in the end. This is in chapter five, where he's begun to you know, he's describing and he'll, he talks all about, you know, he's giving various instructions. And so I just think it's very interesting. He begins and he says, as an example of suffering and patience brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So by the way, very interesting. He's basically including Job and the prophets. Um, so that's an interesting side trail for another day, but he says, behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. If there's any reason like, if there's any encouragement here today, why should I remain steadfast? Because the apostles regard those as blessed, whoever can, whoever does it. They're like, God has worked so powerfully if you can do this. What a, what a thing to seek God in prayer. Um, so, and he says, so in this, and so here's why he says, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Such an interesting way to frame the Job story and make him the model of the steadfast man. How is he the how is he the steadfast man? You know, I mean, he he goes through um, all that he does. He all that he loses, the pain that he suffers, um, those who are closest to him seemingly turning against him and him feeling even like he, you know, has no recourse before God. And yet he does say that he will continue to trust in the Lord, right? He's not going to curse God. He is going to continue to serve him nonetheless. And so he provides an example for us of one who through the worst of suffering continued to trust God. So what was the verse you you had on this? And I, I have one more after this, and then we can uh we can close out our show. But what 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 verse did you have come to mind? 
Yeah, so uh, this is, I was just looking things up beforehand, and um, I looked up Second Thessalonians chapter 3, which says this, if I start in verse 4, it says, and we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord, so this is a, a kind of prayer and blessing now, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And so um, if you know the context of, of the, the Thessalonians, and there were lots of different things going on. There was some persecution, um, some, some controversy, some misunderstanding, some uh, people feeling uh, a little bit hopeless. Um, hope uh, particularly was missing in a lot of ways. And it seems also just a, a lack of understanding the love of God. And so what does Paul tell them in this position that they're in right with the, these particular trials that they have um well he gives them this blessing may the lord direct your hearts to the love of god right to the the love of god being centered but then also to the steadfastness of christ so in other words look look at christ you know let your hearts be directed toward christ and think of his endurance right think of his patiently bearing his humiliation uh, right up to the cross, right up to death, and think about what he endured, and recognize that um, you can follow after him by his spirit that now dwells in you. He is he has called you to follow after him in that steadfastness, and so he becomes the the light that we can follow down that otherwise seemingly dark path. Right. And so that th maybe I don't know if this is where we'll leave it, but I really think this is this is just an essential thing. Again, there's so much we could say about this, and that's why it feels like we we can't help but not do this an injustice. But right. This is this is one of the reasons as Calvinists we talk about the perseverance of the saints. What is a defining hallmark of those God has blessed? those that God has blessed with salvation, those that God has joined together with Christ. It's that their faith perseveres. God preserves their faith. And, and this is what, this is what Hebrews 11 is all about. As you look at those that have gone before, but the verses that right before it, they bring up this endurance and this steadfastness. So I'm going to start and I'm going to read in, in 32 and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. And I'll I'll leave it to Pastor Michael to comment on these verses before we before we close out. He says, "Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured great conflict, full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At others, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison, and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property." because you knew that you had a better and lasting possession. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. This is, you need to endure. You need to be steadfast so that once you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while. He who is coming will come and will not delay. And, by my righteousness, one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are those who have faith 
and are saved. This is, I think, the the call then to us, right? We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are in Christ, right? If, if you have trusted in Christ, then you are in Christ. You are a member of Christ, right? You, you participate, as Peter says, you, you have been made to participate in the divine nature. And what have we learned of Christ? Well, he is steadfast. And so this is the call then from the word of God for us um, that uh, we seek steadfastness, not surrender. And that is uh, something that is not going to be easy. The very nature of steadfastness means that it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. And you will suffer in this life. But remember your Savior. Remember how he has also suffered. Remember all those who have gone before us and have shown us the way of steadfastness as they follow Christ so we should follow them. So steadfastness, not surrender. Thank you for joining us this winsome winter. As we just did, this should just, we should call this just edifying winter if we're going to do this, but. Ed, but edifying winter doesn't sound as, it doesn't roll off the tongue quite the same. So we'll, and, we'll keep it winsome. And we're, not, and we're not doing just these this winter. We will do, we will do plenty of other things that won't be as just, just straight the word of God fire this winter. So, uh, uh. We, uh, we want to thank our patrons uh, who bought me this new microphone that I'm speaking to you in. We want to thank the people who talk to us on Telegram and the t- people who talk to us on Twitter. So it's great to talk to you guys. We enjoy it. We enjoy making the show. We will catch you next time on Restless. <laughs>